podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. The official attendance at Ibrox for Sunday's crucial Glasgow derby was 50,063. With just 700 dedicated Celtic fans able to get tickets for the game, this meant that 49,363 lucky Rangers fans were able to take ringside seats for an Ange Postacoglu masterclass. They could then watch on at close quarters as Celtic battled their way to a 2-1 victory, taking a massive step forward in this season's Scottish Premiership title race. This is episode 63 of the Celtic Exchange Weekly. This is Tino, and this week I'm joined by Miff and James to cover all things Celtic. Miff, Ange says it's just another three points, but what are you saying? <laughs> hello, Tino. Hello, James. Hello, guys. Um, what am I saying? I'm saying that it was absolutely magnificent and it's going to take a, a major collapse for us not to go over the line for here. So, um, the return of beautiful Sundays. Welcome back. Um, I was very nervous beforehand, more so than normal. Um, I wasn't surprised that Rangers started quickly, if you remember, even back under the likes of Warburton and Kashinia, which would I would regard as lesser teams than, than this Rangers team. They would start fast, they, they got goals um, before us, so it's a, it's a recurrent theme when you visit Ibrox. Crowd on their side, um, and, and they got their, got their early goals from Pretty naive defending, really. I, th- I thought from us we contributed massively to that. But then after that, the, the composure that we showed, led by, in Angie's word, that an amazing captain, um, got us a foothold in the game and, and then we controlled the rest of that first half. So it just the way that we can bounce back off the ropes for adversity, maybe a wee bit like the old Muhammad Ali rope adult, where you take the sting out of the, the opposition and then you, then you capitalise. But no, but I mean, but else is there to say? It's just, it's just magic. What a feeling! Yeah, James, we stressed before the game how important it would be to get the the first goal on Sunday, and happy to say we got that one beautifully wrong. <laughs> it didn't happen. How was your yeah. Sunday? Great Sunday altogether. Um, it's a strange game, you know, from a, an Ange team. You know, it wasn't our kind of football. Um, we were more responding than than being proactive. I thought our our flowing football wasn't there, but they defended so well and they were mentally strong. I thought they were really strong in, in the head uh, throughout the game. They took everything that came at them um, and they got their goals when when they had to through some, some good football as well. Yeah. Miff, you spoke about the impact of Captain Callum McGregor and I think that's a, a good a place as any to start. So picture the scene as if you need to. It was only 24 hours ago, but we got a goal down within three minutes of kickoff. You then get something in the region of 50,000 Raven fans giving it all sorts. Celtic players looked on looked unsure of themselves. Simple passes going astray, and already looked at that stage like it was going to be a very long afternoon. Cue Callum McGregor with what I think genuinely would looked at as a season-defining moment. All right, so on the clock, it's six minutes three seconds. Takes a pass around about fifteen yards inside the Rangers half from Josip Juranovic. Any other player might have popped it back to Juranovic, played it safe. Starfell out the left-hand side, not McGregor. He's got a different idea in his head. He drives forward, as we know, he skips by Ramsey, Lundstrom, outmuscles Bassey, which isn't easy, powerful lad, managed to get across into the box, bit of pinball wizard, next thing you know it falls to Tom Rogic, one each, party time. And it's a passage of play which I think sums up Callum McGregor in general just now, it was a real scruff of the neck moment, you know, there was a long, long time to go in the game, 85, you know, still best part of 90 minutes left at that stage. 
and he just chose to do something different and he chose to lead and he's just stepped into this role probably better than anyone could have expected. Well, that was a, a subject to much debate around this time last year. We, we knew round about now that, that Scott Brown was going to leave um, and it wasn't necessarily taken as a, a a given that McGregor would be captain and if he was given the captaincy, it was probably on the basis that there wasn't really anyone else there that was that was fit for it and you wouldn't want to give it to somebody just coming in the door. So that was the general sentiment. It was like, it's got to be McGregor, but everybody was fairly underwhelmed by it. I, I don't think anyone... And I, and I mean, probably even his mum and dad could have seen him doing the job that he's doing now in the manner that he's doing it. Um, particularly, it was noticeable after the first goal. Rogic was almost downplaying the celebrations and McGregor was kind of trying to keep a lid on the rest of the team celebrating to kind of pull them together and get them, get them back as well as if it was to say, you know, that's a bare minimum done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that's interesting. I also think it's really, really interesting that Ange referenced him after the game. Doesn't normally do that. Almost bats down because the question was about Rogic, and that's that he went. He went on to mention McGregor. I, I just think that's so telling as to McGregor is doing on the pitch. He's, he's really in those instructions to a T that Angie's given to the team, and he's reinforcing them. And I just think it's so important for us if if we're going to be stable as a club moving forward and planning for the future and going again and again and again as we want to do. That that relationship's there between the captain and the manager is just so vital and important. Yeah, he's also a very good age for that to be the case. I think he's twenty eight, peak of his career. You know, he's already won plenty, James, for Celtic, and and hopefully he'll continue to win many many more trophies. I'm happy to say that uh, earlier in his career, I didn't rate him. I'm the same. I've been <laughs> shot down for that one. I remember famously I didn't rate uh, Rud van Nistelrooy <laughs> early in his career. That also went pear shaped for me. So uh, what do I know? Anyway, James, back to Carl McGregor. Um, what impact do you think he's having as a skipper overall as well as, you know, what he brought to the table yesterday? It's like Biff says, it typifies what Ange wants to see in his players and he's got a, a bonding effect, you know, amongst the, the whole team. He pulls it all together. He's the calm head when it's all panic stations. You know, that first five minutes, we lost the run ourselves. There was a chance Kent had in that five minutes and kind of choked on it. And if he'd scored that, different game mm. and then McGregor took, took it to the scruff and neck as you said so he's the one that calmed it all down brought them all together he's maturing as a player he's, he's, he's at the right time 28 to be a captain Celtic so you've got a good few years of, of McGregor's abilities going forward you know yeah I, I thought as you pointed out there, the, the celebrations for the first goal were very interesting very kind of muted celebrations Tom Rodgers barely cracked a smile I don't know if he did crack a smile and I'm alright about that because you shouldn't be 1-0 down swell in a game and the fact that you know, they weren't going daft and getting all excited, but it was one each, let's restore parity and let's kick on from here. Nobody bar big Jacomakis. He liked this. <laughs> he, he was giving it some. He, he was in bopping <laughs> he heads. Was, he was giving it some. He, he gave that a couple of brilliance. Yeah. But I think, yeah, and you've seen McGregor in there, you know, pulling the guys together and having a, a wee word with guys kind of off the park and different things. And I just think he's so important. Out with anything else, the fact that Celtic pulled in, what, 15 players over two transfer windows a season. You need someone to introduce them to the club and, and you know let them know what it's all about to play for Celtic I can't remember who it was I wish I did but some one of the new signings whoever it may be Ellie Bells referenced Callum McGregor and how he phoned him before he came to the club to formally welcome him welcome him in, in, into the group and you know make him feel part of it already and I just think that's so important just to A get guys in very quickly but B let them know what it's like to, to be a part of Celtic and be in a city like Glasgow because it is so unique here you know there's there's no two ways to, to look at it and 
someone that lets you know what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, and what it takes to succeed at Celtic. And he's a perfect guy. He's been there, done that. He's you know he's won so many trophies. He's also faced the adversity of last year, and painful as it was at the time. That's got to stand him in good stead moving forward. Absolutely, and I can remember his pained interview up at Tannadice after we drew and um, gave the league away, although it was given away long before that, really. Um, he said that um, we, we'll come back, that's what champions do. Um, very, very telling statement, even though at that time he didn't know then what, what we know now and how good a fit Ange would be for the club and how well he would be backed as well, which is probably a good, a good point to make. Um, so... McGregor has been the you know the mainstay, um, one of the you know leave it to those who are willing uh, statements that we made all the way through last year, um, and and when you think about that, when you think about the whole debacle that followed, knowing that half the squad wanted away or were going away, um, Eddie Howe often his skirt for the whole summer and then knocking his back. Uh, to to be sitting where we are just now, they really never seen us coming. They, they and, and hence why I think yesterday was such a hammer blow for them because the Rangers fans that I spoke to were confident, very confident, and even if me seen on things on you know to our social media, they they, they were confident going into yesterday. Um, and I still think I still think there is an element of shock for them that that we have managed to get our act together. And also referenced yesterday about. We were still putting the team together when the league started, mm-hmm. you know, and you can tell that that's that's still in his in his mind was you know the stick he's obviously got at the start when he's he's barely even started the job, so he must be taking a great deal of satisfaction at all this. Absolutely, and you know, looking back to the last game at Ibrox, twenty ninth of August, I think it was, we've gone into that game with guys like Edward and Christie half a foot out the door, and that'll be some of the stuff that Andrew's referencing. He's having to play these guys. At that point, he's not signed Carter Vickers, Jota, Jack Amakis, maybe a couple of others. There's a good start on that. There's only four of that team started the game yesterday. Four of the August Aye. team? Yeah. That's incredible in such a short space of time. It, not, was it not Juranovic's first game as well? Literally. At left back. At left back. Yeah. And it's not just four that have started it. The fact that seven, eight, nine, ten have come into it, but also gone and performed so admirably. You know, it's one thing coming into that game and saying, ah, this is our first time at it and we, we eked out a draw. It, it was far from that. And I just think, you know, you've got um, so many new guys, you know, gelling at the same time. And as Ange says, he was kind of, this season he's been laying down the tracks ahead of him as the season's, you know, you know, in full flow. And that must be very hard to do. You know, A, deal with the loss of a couple of key players. You know, Christy could have been something under Ange. We'll never know. Uh, and obviously Edward was the main man for a couple of seasons. He's got to deal with the loss of them, bring other guys in at the same time and make it click. And 32 unbeaten games, James, domestically, tells you that it's now clicking. And, and I fully... You know, a completely different style of football as well. So even the guys that were there when they came in, he's got to teach them this whole new way of playing. And it's a risky way of playing as well. You know, it, it plays against people's safer instincts, you know, to play, you know, you know, not playing out for the back and stuff like that. So add that into the mix. It's it's nothing short of phenomenal. What I would say is, you know, as much as it would be, a, we couldn't throw this away, it's not done yet. So let's just get it done, you know. Is that the line we're going with? Yep, um, that's, I'm sticking with that. You're saying all sorts of stuff off here, but now you're coming in here. <laughs> no, 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 I'm, I'm delighted. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm over I'm over the moon, but like James says, until it's official. It's just I, I, and, the, the and the cup, the treble's here, you know, so treble on his maiden season would be amazing. Yeah, but caution all round, but all right. trebles also. Yes. Ca- caution treble. A cautious treble. Um, 
So obviously, guys like Callum McGregor pick up a lot of the headlines, James, but who were the other standouts for you? Uh, <laughs> at ease, Miff, we'll get to you. <laughs> uh, if you're looking at guys like, maybe not getting the credit they deserve, Jack and Marcus Maida, the pressure they put Rangers under, they've got stats on their, their, their pressures, 47 pressures each or something, which is, I think, you know, really, really high in that regard. Catter Vickers was, was brilliant, Starfelt was brilliant, Noble uh, mentioned to... GT3. Come on. Uh, he was. He was good. And I, I, th I think he's a limited player. I think we will need to change that if we want to step up next year. But I thought he was great yesterday. He ran which was poor, actually. Um, and McGregor ran the show. Yeah, I think uh, of the back four, it wasn't Juranovic's day. You could say he was sleeping for that first goal. He certainly got caught inside with a run from Ryan Kent. Uh, and he never really recovered from that. And it's not, it's not a game to be negative about. As a team, as a unit, Celtic were very effective. And they all played their part. Juranovic included in terms of how he helped pack the box when required. An outstanding through ball for Maeda as well. Phenomenal through ball. Outstanding. Uh, Maff, I know you've been waiting to do so for a good 24 hours, so the floor is yours, Greg Taylor 3. Oh, just, I thought, I thought it was magic. I thought it was magic. And and I have to say, um, he, he had a poor game against Bodo um, at home. Everybody's allowed a bad game. He got a fierce amount of stick for that, and everybody knows why he gets stick. But at the end of the day, I think he has improved vastly this season. Um, it was always going to be hard replacing Kieran Tierney because effectively that that he was signed like for light. Not done really any favours. Underlining, chopped and changed, lacks out, brought in, couldn't have done much for his confidence when you're trying to establish yourself at a, a bigger club at Celtic. And I think he's just thrived under Ange, like I said. At the start of the season, a lot of credit when we look back in, in this season will go to Ralston and um, Taylor because they, they, their their willingness to adapt to Angie's system allowed them to play it um, from early doors. I just think T Taylor's two performances, particularly against Rangers, have, have been absolutely outstanding. Um, and I'm, I see Boston, I'm just delighted for him. I'm just delighted for him. And I need to give a shout out. Go on. Big shout out. Paul Conan, long time listener. Or so he tells me, and uh, our friend on on Twitter, uh, Forest Finishing, they, they've give yeah. give a bit of kudos to her, Greg. Um, so we're thinking of starting a, an appreciation society. All three so of um, I, there'll be details available on, um, on that later. But I, I just think I'm. I say I know I know I went on about him, and it's one of those ones where you, you you see a player and you think they get an undue bit of stick. I'm trying to think who would who would have been somebody. Who would be some Ralston would uh, again? Well, uh, maybe about I, I hope he doesn't. I hope he doesn't listen. But he was probably due that because yeah. he was. He, he just looked so limited, Ralston. But he's just added whole other dimensions to his game. With Taylor, I just thought young, young Scottish player saying you're trying to invest in him, and people were just too quick to, to write him off. And whilst he is still limited in comparison to somebody like say Tierney, you know you're not going to replace Kieran Tierney with another Kieran Tierney. But unfortunately, that, that has to be our ambition though. To have a player like Tierney. Yes, but also spend the appropriate amount of money to do that. I don't Celtic are never really going to be in that fishing in that point. Kieran Tierney think. is so unique in terms of coming up with a guy like that coming through your academy. That that could happen to a, a Derby County or a Bournemouth or a St Johnson or a Celtic. Kieran Tierney's don't come around yeah. all the time. And I think Celtic were really fortunate and they obviously developed them fantastically well, but Real Madrid aren't weighing up this summer whether to go for Tierney or Greg Taylor. No. You know, it's just, it's, it's not the no, choice you never know. But, but there is someone out there in, in an Ange style where he's getting someone that's a wee bit unfancied and he can bring him into his system and I think that's what he'd be looking for. I'd like to think so and I'd like to hope so because Ange clearly knows how to identify a player and I think Ange in his honest moments, you know, whoever he shares them with, 
he knows when he's another left back, you know, but his job at this moment in time, in the same way that Greg Taylor is an individual, his job is to get the best out of what he's got in terms of his ability and his, you know, raw credentials as a footballer. Tony Ralston has done it extremely well. You know, he knows he's limited. He's not he's not going to nutmeg guys and dink goalies and all that kind of stuff we've spoken about, but he'll smash into tackles. He absolutely oh, went to oh, He's a, he's a that, lucky boy. That, that's one to say your season's over. You know, <laughs> what do you, for I, no, I don't mean physical. I'm just saying you'll not win this game. You'll not win the cup game, and you'll not win the game after that. I've got a theory. I've got two red cards for that. I've got a theory. I thought it was a, a, a straight yellow, but no, 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 no. That's, that's, I've, I've watched it back today. Outrageous. That uh, outrageous, and I loved it. But outrageous. I, no, I, I think it's a red. But the, I, I, my theory is right. Start of the season, Kent was particularly good against us, and was playing directly against Ralston if memory serves me correctly. So. I'm Pretty sure there was a bit of piss taken there, and I think Ralston's just went oh, on. Right. I, I, yeah. I, in my own personal opinion, I just think Ralston has went on that park with one intention only, and that if you see, he's almost like a dog chasing a boy. He just goes, Aye. just just yeah. went. Yeah. It went out. He, he, his mind was made up five <laughs> seconds before he got there. It's just, oh man, yeah. what a, there was tackle. a few challenges like that. You know, a few few markers put down. You know, Jackie Marcus, Carlickers, well, and Lundstrom as well. Lundstrom's into Jackie Marcus. He saw the opportunity where he knew the ball it's was there. He would win the ball, yeah. but he's, he, you know, he's come through like that. And, and again, you, you celebrate it when it's for your own team. That's what these games are all about. Isn't it? Yeah, Tony Ralston's come on for twenty minutes. I think he's wiped <laughs> Ryan Kent out and put two balls in the box I, I, and thought, I, my job is done. I'd, I'd give him eight out of ten in the star yeah, check for exactly. that. I think oh, that's team of the day. I, um, I think. I think. I don't know if you're going to come on to it as well, but just when you were. You did give me the photo, we feel. Go for it. He did. Always. He did. Um, Maeda is just... I, I was actually talking to somebody about that today. A half a second in football is a long time. When you're in possession, when you think you're getting a ball down, especially for a defender, mm. you're getting the touch out your feet and you're getting the ball down the line. He's so fast, he can just run at angles that just cuts off the most obvious pass or puts a defender under pressure before they play the pass and mm. I, I, it just made Rangers so uncomfortable yesterday and it was delightful to watch it was it was just brilliant seeing somebody put so much effort like that a forward put so much effort like that and it closing down it was just magic it's unbelievable and it's for the first minute to the 95th or whatever it might be and I just think you know I was going to cover them later on with but fast forward a wee bit um, who needs an agenda you know just right, right, it, agenda. who needs that but you could argue a guy like Maeda could be man of the match as well. He's not scored any goals, he's not had any assists, but what he's done for the team, because that, as I mentioned, it's not individuals that have won you that game, it's the team unit, everyone doing their job. And it starts with him, and it starts with Jack Marcus doing that press up top. <clears throat> and the effort he puts in when he's not on the ball is just incredible. And he never does that whole pained expression and looks at his mates as if they say, what are you doing about it? He just does his job uh, and then jogs going. away. I wouldn't be surprised if he jogs between Lennoxton and Celtic Park when Celtic travel. <laughs> he just does his own thing and gets on with it and goes up the road. I noticed that with them as, as well, actually. Rangers, Goldson in particular, when something didn't go their way, it was all moaning and arms there and stuff like that. And spoke about it early in the season. He said, wasted your energy, I don't want to see it in my teams. And you don't see it at Celtics from Maeda or anyone else. So mm -hmm. it's a real part of the, the collective spirit at Celtic that that doesn't go on I agree and what a boost do you think it gives to his teammates Miff, when they know that he's doing that work and we know all about the high press now and the job is to win it in the final third but it must be such a a bonus for these players McGregor and otherwise knowing that he's going to go and fight for that ball well I think it was Taylor when he was interviewed actually referenced it a few weeks mm -hmm. ago where he said Maeda was getting a bit of stick at the time mm -hmm. um, as as 
new players tend to do if they've not scored three hat tricks in three <laughs> games or something. Um, and he said the, the way this guy works, even in training, is just phenomenal. Yeah. We, we can't believe the speed of him and how hard he works to yeah. close the ball down. And I think what you've seen is his confidence has grown and he's felt more part of a team. He's pretty much started almost every game Ange could have started him in. Yeah. He's found that place in the team, dare I say, since Xhaka Marcus has come into the team. I, I think, think they fit. Th- yeah, that, that is a much, much better fit because... I think they, they account for each other where, what Maeda lacks in physicality Giacomacchus makes up for and what Giacomacchus lacks in pace Maeda makes up for and you mm-hmm. can see that they do have that sort of that connection it, it was quite noticeable I think it was at Fir Park when they played together and you saw them link up a few times and that's just blossomed and continued so mm-hmm. that, listen that's that's what this season was all about was trying to find that formula and find the right players for the team to play the way the manager wanted to play Maeda was obviously crucial to that and you can see why because that's where that's where it starts trying to win the ball back as high up as you can put pressure on so the opposition can't build and I think that was part of Rangers problem yesterday they couldn't really get a sustained head of steam no up to me the way the Rangers played not to dwell too much on, on the opposition but <coughs> to me the way Rangers were playing wasn't structured it was ad hoc it was kind of left to the players on the part they didn't seem to be playing towards a pattern of play it was just yeah, they kind of brought Sakao on. They were looking for him to do something magic, or they were looking for, um, they were looking for Tavernier to do something yeah. magic. It didn't seem like they, they had really, or they knew how they wanted to break us down. It looked like they drilled into them all week how to uh, stop us playing out for the back, and that was it. There was no other real tactical structure to it all. They put all their focus on that, and they did do that fairly uh, well. Yeah. They basically watched Bodo, basically, you know, and they did that fairly well. But it meant. You know, nothing else was getting done. Somebody pointed out in the latter stages of the game, you ended up with uh, Connor Goldson in the number nine position for Rangers and Tavernier in the ten. Aye, it yep. just went. But that's been happening for weeks with him. I was saying to Miff, it was like when we used to stick Van Dyke up top and just cross fingers and hope for the best. For it, that's what it was. So you're you're suggesting that they've got this top European coach in Gio Van Bronckhurst, and obviously that you know they're in the quarterfinals, which is fine, baffling, you know, and we'll see how that plays out. But you need to have more of an idea than just stick a few of the other guys forward and we'll see what happens. They, they seem to lack a plan. And, and when the chips were down and they, their fans sorry, their fans are bemoaning the fact that it's same old, same old, get the ball wide, cross it into the box, nobody in the end of it. It's a drink for our guys. But what I will say is, if Morelos plays, that's a different game because that is his game going the down sticker. the sides. You know, and, and he, he, he tends to turn up for the bigger games as well. So Morelos missing is a huge blow for them and just so, so, again. just so, so unfortunate. Devastated for them um, Another blow for Rangers Was the fact that Cameron Carter-Vickers And Starfelt were playing And they two were just phenomenal They've come in for a bit of stick At different times Mostly Starfelt But what a time to pick To have one of your best games Of the season James oh, And they really did You know they just did Everything up um, They were so strong I think They're so mentally switched on The two And they see so much of the game They read the game really well and they just took care of everything that came their way. I'm just really, really impressed. Particularly for Starsfield, because he's the one that's been taking the stick. And, you know, I've, I was on record myself as saying I wasn't sure about him. I'm still, you know, there's bits of his game that can be improved. But, you know, what a game he had yesterday. Cracking strikers finish as well, Miff. Uh, as far as Starfield's concerned, just to touch on that, I've just made my peace with the fact that it looks awkward. He's, not, he's never going to look how I want him to look. So I just need to deal but with it. He's, he's playing left. It's about how my missus has to deal with living with me. He's, he's not going to look like... <laughs> Starfit looking Gary Barlow, she wants me to look. It's not happening. <laughs> Starfit looking awkward seems to be more of a myth problem than a Starfit problem. He doesn't really care about it and he's getting the job done. No, he, he certainly doesn't. Um, and why should he? Why should he? You know, he's got a manager that believes in him, a team that believes in him, that they're happy for him 
to have the ball. To be fair to him, yesterday when we were under pressure, he's driven out a few times and actually took the pressure off because he's been able to step into midfield, find a pass. Um, and, and to reference what you said, Tino, about him having a good game, if you remember back to that 1-0 defeat at Ibrox, in the second half, Starfield was, was excellent, I, I thought, in that game. He'd have a really dodgy first half, but he showed a, a good bit of character. He kind of steady himself. And, and I think, again, that mental resilience, um, the partnership he's built with Carter Vickers, all the time they were anticipating cross balls into the box before my eyes had even adjusted to watch where the ball was going. They, yeah. They'd get into position. They were so sharp. Um, it's just, listen, it's no it's no coincidence the fact that the defence has been rock solid all season, conceded um, not rock, rock solid all season, whilst they've made individual ricks. The, the, the amount of goals that they've conceded is so meagre. Um, and there has to be a reason behind that. Partly due to them, but partly because the team's defending for the front. Yeah, 19 goals, James, I think it is in 32 games, so it's really, really impressive. From Starfield's point of view, had you offered him, him a second half like that yesterday, he'd have taken it all day long because he loves that kind of game. That yeah, is what that, he that is. That is his game. Yeah. He's getting better at bringing the ball out and, you know, under Ange, there's no doubt he'll continue to improve. But see, just that camped in your own box, eating up everything, that is right up his street. And I think he just, he just really stood up. And if you watch some of the highlights again, it's headers, it's blocks, it's tackles, it's putting his body on the line. It's everything you'd want for your centre half and we've got two of them doing it. Yeah. We had... I had asked a question, James, uh, a week or two ago, um, if you could take Carter Vickers or Jota, only one. So you weren't here, I asked, Maff asked Paddy. Yeah. Me and Maff, I think, were for Jota, Paddy was Carter Vickers in that chair. Are you also, is it a chair thing? Are you also Carter Vickers? It's a hard one, isn't it? I mean, I, I probably would be Carter Vickers um, because keeping the door shut at the back, it, it allows the team to go on and do what we're doing. I love Jota. Um, as much as we bought off yesterday and he's you know, shown you know, bits of his form coming back since his injury. Um, if it was one, I'd probably do Carter Vickers, but that's not how the world works. It is not how it works. Uh, just, you'll remember seeing the picture yesterday of Jota and Hatati in the bath, <laughs> having a lovely time. <laughs> and i seen it get posted on Twitter and some Rangers fans replied, how are we allowing them to do that to our club? It's like... What? They're having a bath after the game. Ah, yeah. <laughs> what are can we, you do about it? Are we changing room facilities, mate? Yeah. Uh, I agree though, James. I don't think Jota was at his best, but if given the choice between the two, and hopefully it's not a choice, hopefully it's both guys, but uh, I love the attacking, uh, you know, flair that Jota brings and we'll yeah. see how that lands. But you, you need to be looking from their point of view, and Ange referenced this as well. He said there's a lot of things that we can't give them financially, all that stuff. What they won't get elsewhere is this kind of atmosphere, this kind of team unit. Christy must be looking up the road going... Might be good to be a part of that for, for one season anyway. And you know, Jordan Cartervickers are in it, enjoying it. So they must be thinking, I could have a, a better financial future, but I can really enjoy my football here. We're getting into the Champions League, so showcase all that stuff. Yeah, that's exactly it. I think, you know, Ange is probably speaking to other players already. That's just how football works. And when he's trying to sell the dream to some guys, he'll be showing them the game at Celtic Park in February. He'll be showing them how we, you know, we showed some real resilience yesterday. And I think people want to be part of that, particularly... You know, if we do go on to clinch the title, you've got that guaranteed Champions League. And also, maybe we'll cover it separately, but just the real luxury of no games in Europe till September, I think it is. Yeah. So none of this qualifiers in Scandinavia and mid-July and all that stuff, that would be a real luxury in itself. But the fact that other players, European players, are, are aware of Celtic. There's a young guy from Bayern Munich, we've been linked with the now, Christopher aye, Scott. Aye, yeah. Doesn't sound very Bayern Munich, -y, <laughs> but... Uh, not sure the the background, but you know, young young attra uh, attacking talent across Europe. We'll be looking at what Ange is doing. He's making headlines, and I think Celtic Park 
once again is becoming an exciting thing to be part of and I think that's got to be a good thing moving forward. Um, before we move on from the game yesterday, we've not covered Jack Amakis in much detail and I think he deserves real credit. Uh, obviously no hat-trick uh, on the occasion, Muffy usually gets his goals but he's brought so much more to the game yesterday than goals, hasn't he? Yes, and it's the type of striker I think we've all been crying out for for a number of years um, at Celtic. The I, I thought he actually... The header at the back post they could have done better with he's tried to Aye. flick it instead of yeah, yeah, well, um, well I thought I thought Jack Marcus could but he's under pressure obviously but I thought he could have done better. Um but in general y- you can see that the Rangers players absolutely cannot stand him and that is just brilliant. Yeah. You know, it's, it's having that effect in the opposition where you are railing them, you're winding them up, even you're m- merely touching the ball a bit like Dear Morelos was with, with Celtic for a number of years. Um I think that's what Jackie Marcus is bringing. He's a nuisance. He's a pest. He, he, he's more than willing to take hits for the team. Um, it's just great to have that that type of player, and he's ready made for that battle that you have going away from home in the in the Scottish Premiership. So, uh, I thought his contribution was was notable yesterday. A power of work, m- much like Maeda, done the dirty stuff that that we needed done. Um, I think the. Uh, the, the cynical side of the game we were actually quite good at in terms of breaking mm-hmm. the play up when Rangers were trying to trying to dominate the yellow cards that we took as well were all kind of good yellows in, in decent areas even even Beaton as well that was a stick on <laughs> bet when, when Beaton easy came on they get yellow card absolute yeah. easy money yeah, um, it was good booking but that, you know in the context of the game a great, a great booking to take on the halfway line breaking up a counter attack so um, no Xhaka Marcus for me exactly the type of striker that we needed just to Supplement what we already had in Kyogo, Maeda, and Jota and Matabada. Yeah, another really pleasing aspect of the game, I think, was the the full use of the five subs and forced a wee bit through O'Reilly's injury. But the full use of the five subs, and not one of them went on and weakened what we were doing. You couldn't say that a lot this season. But Angie's now in a position where people were talking before the game. You know, who will start? Will Kyogo be involved? We've got that to look forward to next week, lads. Oh, so yeah, uh, play it cool. But in terms of the bench uh, for Sunday, it was always going to be strong, you know, given some of the guys that were going to miss out. Was it going to be Rodic over O'Reilly, Hatati, Turnbull, different guys? And what you've got is five subs. Let me just check who was used exactly. So we know that Ralston came on, which is great to see. Um, Beaton O'Reilly. Turnbull. Beaton O'Reilly. O'Reilly came back off for Turnbull and... Help me out, Miff. Taylor for Ralston. Ralston. Turnbull. Abada. O'Reilly. Abada. Abada comes in for Jota. So you've got quality across the board there and any, any one of those guys could have been given the nod to start. You know, people were arguing, should Ralston start? Should Turnbull maybe get the nod over Hattati? Abada made With Abada. These are all guys that are, you know, having an impact and to be able to use those subs effectively at a game where you're, you know, you're, you're using a lot of energy, there's a lot of effort going into it and to be able to just bring in quality for quality and even when O'Reilly gets injured, obviously unplanned, you say, that's all right, we'll just stick Dave Turnbull, Turnbull. in there Aye. who's a pretty decent option. The slight concern... And it's not a big concern is that young Rio Hattati was absolutely blown, wasn't he? Uh, and not long into the second half, there was a spell, I think, around about the 50th minute where somebody's got down the right-hand side for Rangers. Ramsey. Oh, he was towing the caravan. He just T- was Taylor not went mental at him. Taylor, Taylor. And it, it was Angie's job, actually, not Hattati's job, but Angie should have been taking him off before then. I thought he should have taken him off five minutes before he did. And it could have been a concern because within that five minutes, you could see that he was done. And that's when you could concede, you yeah. know, if he doesn't track his man. So I think he needs a wee, a wee rest again. I think he needs just popped out the team. You've hopefully got the options there with Rodgers, O'Reilly, Turnbull, maybe even Gucci, you know, getting a bit of game time beat on. There's plenty of guys that can step in. Am I right in saying he's already played a season? Would yeah. he fall into the same category as... Yeah, full season. Yeah, and won the league. Maeda, yeah. So, 
you know, although Maeda's is probably an exception the way, the way that he runs about. But yeah, they they just need to be managed probably a bit better. I think similar happened a few weeks ago where he looked like he was dropping off and then he'd come back to a wee bit of form again. Maybe yesterday was just a, a, a wee step too far. Um, or a game too far for him. But I mean, Hitati has shown more than enough. I think it's exciting to think that the, the squad, the whole squad will get a, a good, decent pre-season together and, and, and build from there. So... Yeah, I just think Hatati just needs to be managed. I think that's quite clear. Yeah. Aside from all the on-field action, there was obviously a number of disappointing incidents off the field uh, over the course of the game. So we, we'll all have read about them now. But Celtic's physio getting hit with a bottle, requiring, I think, four stitches. The broken glass in Joe Hart's penalty box. The story is now that someone's launched a bottle and it's cracked off the, the crossbar. Uh-huh. There's actually a steward who's contradicted that and said it was broken glass that was thrown. Aye. So one or t'other, I, none of them are good, put it that way. Um, you've had other things going on, I, items launched at players taking corners, which is actually nothing new, but it just seems to have now become an accepted part of the game. You can just launch your, your fanner over yeah. at Jota when he's taking a corner and it's, and no, it's fine. No, no consequences. Um, so that seems to, to be allowed. Uh, Celtic players celebrating at full time in their corner with their fans, items getting launched. It's just becoming you know, commonplace. We've spoken the last couple of weeks about the disappointment of the fact that this fixture's already been diluted with the lack of away support. But it is Scottish football's biggest export. And listen, there's a whole ongoing debate about the Australian trip and you know marketing yourself together with Rangers. I'm not promoting that by any stretch, but if we want to get more out of the TV money and different things like that, and if you want to attract more sponsors individually or otherwise, that game must be displayed better than what it was. And that was nothing short of embarrassing yesterday. And you're right, you know, it's it's the exposure of that kind of behaviour that, that isn't good for the game. And, you know, there's plenty of coconuts full of Celtic as well. Just to be honest, there was a guy... There's three of them in here. <laughs> exactly. There was a guy through a Lucasian bottle at uh, Barry Mackay, was it, up at uh, Tynecastle. So that kind of... And, and, you know, we've all been to away games in some of the, the balloons that run around there. So it, it seems to be a football thing. Um, give Rangers the edge on it, of course, you know, because broken glass is a step up. I tell you, you know, there was various uh, guys commenting, there was Marvin Bartley on Twitter saying, you know, football's football and all that stuff and stuff goes on, but broken glass, yeah. you know, it's... But your own strikers are going to be playing, sliding in. It's different level stuff, you know, isn't it? Yeah. I, 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 man, I, all I can say is, going to football for 35 years fairly regularly, and I personally have never felt the need to throw anything when I've been at the football. I just, I, I, it's a mindset and a mentality I just can't really relate to. And, and, and that... You know, taking away from whatever team you support, I just don't see why you would, why you would need to do it. I agreed. There was another thing that you might have seen today. So Celtic released their unique, unique angle oh, video. Brilliant, man. <laughs> so for those who haven't seen it, when Carter Vickers scores the second and he wheels away to celebrate, how dare he? If you focus on the Rangers crowd, one one guy's done the whole hold my jacket, Margaret. I'm going down there. Can we fair? He's got a, a fat or the. Has he though? Aye, he has. Aye. No, aye. it's a pretend. I know he has, but is aye. it like aye. I'm coming for well, you? It? it was a big, big, uh, somebody's big fan of Vader. Get the forearm <laughs> out, man. Give them the headlock. I did. I mean, I'd love to see if he get through to Cutler Vickers and what would oh. happen? What would have happened there? But Jeez. what is that? As you say, man, what's the mentality when a guy has the audacity to score a goal against your football team that you're going, I'm going on there. I'm going for him. Have you seen the nickname that the Celtic players have gave Carter Vickers? <laughs> I have, but reveal all. The fridge Aye well aye. <laughs> You can see Quite that. Like that But had that fella get through to the fridge the, oh, His Sunday would have been yeah. over And then some But I just don't understand the mentality of that And it, you're right James There's, there's You know Millions and all support But that is some behaviour To feel like that's the move there And There was just There was that 
tension in the air yesterday. You know, once Celtic got ahead in the game, all that nonsense started to kick in and all that kind of behaviour. Be because it's all the, you know, I've spoke about the gap from last year being a myth and this is the reality hitting them that it is a myth and they're not this dominant team they thought they were. They were playing in a COVID season and Celtic couldn't have been any worse and all their kind of dreams are evaporating and they're reacting. I think as Miff pointed out, I think this is a shock to the system for Rangers players and fans alike. You know, as much as it's a huge boost to Celtic to go and, you know, as Anne says, it is just another three points, but psychologically it's huge, right? You know, for what it does, it, their ground. it you know, just, dare I say it, you know, restores normal service and that kind of thing. Um, but I just think it's such a huge blow to their players and their fans, and maybe a number of their fans weren't expecting them. If you've quoted a number of guys who were so confident from a Rangers point of view, yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, and listen, you can you can look at it from their point of view. They've been playing well in, in, in Europe, whilst the, the league results have been poor. They would have fancied themselves a home advantage to to beat us. I, I understand that, but I, I just don't think they've given Celtic the credit for the fact that they are a, a very good team this year. Um, but the the whole point for me around like, fan behaviour and, and, and things like that the social media has created a you know a kind of poisonous element vacuum, to, to everything and, and it seems to amplify things even further than, than what the papers did back yeah. in the day um, so I think it's something that the clubs themselves need to be careful of as to what they stoke up and the, the sort of feeling that they stoke um, because it, it's obviously going to have it's going to have implications when the teams meet each other now so much so that the fact that like you say Tino it just seems to almost be commonplace now for objects whatever they may be to be launched for the stands towards the towards the players I, I just don't you know we're, we're going down a fairly dangerous road here just get back to supporting the team and watching the football ads yeah. make an example these guys there's no way you can't find them in CCTV <coughs> just have them out publicise it and tell them what sentence they're getting and bar them for life all that as much as Ban orders sometimes don't work and all that stuff, but they need to make an example of these guys from any team and just cut it out. You would like to think that the the decent-minded people that are involved with Rangers will come down heavy here and, and try and put a message. They're quick to release statements for you know frivolous stuff and nonsense. This is a time to release a proper statement for their own good as much as the greater good of Scottish football and just let it be known that a, a zero-tolerance approach should be taken to this, you know, this kind of behaviour because it's just, as I say, it's just becoming... Too common and too accepted. It's just like, ah, there was a bit of nonsense there, wasn't there? And then you move on to the next game and it's forgotten about. So hopefully uh, they'll address things in the right manner. Um, so Celtic, obviously, league-wise, were now six points clear and 16 goals clear. And Miff, of course, none of this would be possible without the leader, Ange Postacoglu. Uh, the impact he's had since arriving at the club has been nothing short of incredible. And he overcame another one of those supposed hoodoos yesterday. So that's the first time Rangers have been beating the league. For how long, James? At Ibrox. Games. At Ibrox. 35 games, isn't it? Time-wise, I don't have the game stats. Oh, right, You've okay. caught me there. The other <laughs> <laughs> uh, two and a half years, something like that. For Hamilton. For Hamilton game. Exactly that. Yeah. Two and a bit years. So Hamilton beat them 1-0 in March 2020. That was the last defeat at Ibrox. Ange doesn't care about that. He just comes in and blows those things out of the water. But but it's those things that the, the press used to create pressure. So had, had he not won the away record, days, you know, He was carrying Lennon's away record. Yep, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, and it was... It was put under under him so yeah I mean it's just great that he's just ticking these things off but as you know it's things like the away record the Livy hoodoo you know beating Rangers in any game Celtic Park otherwise and Ange just doesn't get sucked into all of that and he's just got it's such just a, a measured approach when it comes to you know dealing with the press and answering those questions so very common as you know as we've repeated a couple of times now 
I don't know if he's saying something differently behind the, the walls at Linux Town, but he does genuinely seem to have a, there's just three points and that's all it is, lads, and we move on. The players were speaking pre-match, you'll have heard a few different interviews, and none of them are getting carried away with anything, and none of them are saying anything in terms of the approach to a game like Sunday. They're just saying, this is just another game under Ange, and this is what we do. And I think he's got them in a very calm and focused headspace, Miff. Better from Jackie Marcus. <laughs> he can do what he wants. <laughs> I, I, no, I, I think that that seems to be the, the environment. He's, he's created an environment that the players are thriving in. Um, so whatever his method and approach is behind closed doors is working. What he does like to do is portray a very calm, measured and balanced uh, approach to the camera. You know, and I think it gives us as fans a bit of confidence because you, obviously you naturally get nervous before big games. But when you when you listen to speak and you listen to the team kind of back that up, that there's obviously that that preparation goes into the game. They have belief in what they're they're setting out to do. And as a club, the club he has unified the club, even from the boardroom where there was a lot of stick. He's, he's brought the fans, the players, the board, everybody in it together. Even the much maligned backroom staff of last season, nobody's mentioning now. That it's John Kennedy's fault. We can see. Uh, is, he, is he getting the credit yeah. now that we don't? Uh-huh. Because he was a centre yeah. half. You yeah. know, where's Gav's laptop? Have we seen it? You know, I'm assuming it's still there. All these things that were the things we were picking up. Myself encoded, by the way. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not absolving myself of that. They, they disappear when you've got a figurehead and a leader like Ange, who has come in and just galvanised the entire club. So. We're just so thankful that that, that, that we've, we've popped him. Who gets the credit, though? I mean, Dom's disappeared. Has anybody heard from him? Are you banging the drum for a new deal for Ian Bank here? Yeah, I wouldn't go that far. Five, five um, deal. So, but who, in, in all seriousness, is it Lawwell? Is it, is, a, it's it Pistol is. Pete? So, he was actually in, believe it or not, he was in the betting for when Dyla got appointed, Postacoglu. Was it? was back that far, with the Man City group connections and uh-huh. all that stuff. So, it looks like a, a LOL-orchestrated thing that... You know, he's obviously handed that on to, to Mackay and he's done the deal in terms of signed the deal. But yeah, you know, it's it's Pedro. From Andy's point of view, though, just in terms of what you said there, Miff, galvanising folk, one way he does that is just he takes the ultimate responsibility for anything and, you know, that goes that goes wrong across the board. He's one of those guys who's quick to play down his involvement when it goes right. I think he just picked up his third manager of the month award. Happy to give the credit to all the staff. Yeah, the you see the photos now. It's this guy and this guy. I'm just the guy at the head of it. But if th- something goes wrong and you know things did go wrong, he takes it. I pick the team, it's my decision. I tell him to play this way and he takes full responsibility. And you can't underestimate the impact that must have on the people underneath that leadership who are maybe feeling a bit of pressure for a variety of reasons. Maybe an analyst feels under pressure because you know something's gone wrong on, on his watch and he'll take all that heat off him and he'll take all the pressure off these guys in the same way that he'll do so with the players and all of his staff and, and, and every walk of the business. And it is bizarre enough because he's come in, he has a one-man band. There, there's there's nobody at Celtic Park that he knew before, you know, 10th of June or whenever, whenever he was appointed. He's come in on his own and basically just brought the whole gang together from boardroom to coaches to the dinner ladies to all the staff at Lennox Town. And it's incredible modern-day management. Well, I think it's what's demanded. You see that for, you know, kind of like Co-op, Guardiola, albeit they'll put their backroom teams behind them, but... It seems to be a very vogue thing that the, the manager becomes this sort of almost Hub. cult-like leader of the club. Um, I think what Ange has done, James touched on it earlier, is it's the style of play. There's loads of different things that make Ange a good fit, but in the main, he's came here wanting to play a, a style of play that gets people off their off their seat. And 
I think as, as Celtic fans, we're always willing to give somebody that wee bit of extra time when, that, when they've set out that that's what they're willing to do. I think if, if you go back to previous managers, you know, probably Strachan and Dyla would be the more conservative managers Romantic, that we've, yeah. we've, we've played under. It tends to get, you know, get stale pretty quickly between the fans and the, and the team and the, and the manager. So I think because of that, he came here with a freshness, he came here with a style, an identity, dare I say. I know that's quite a, an overused term, but he's done that. He's got a style of play and he's got the fans on board. It's created a juggernaut that's just built and built momentum throughout the course of the season and now we're, we're really reaping the benefits of it. And I think even by Angie's own um, admission, he would regard that as earlier than what he thought. Mm-hmm. Part of it has been down to what you would describe as almost a capitulation by, by Rangers from the, the 10 points in front to now six, practically seven behind. Do you know what their goal difference is under Van Bronckhorst? Plus seven. Is it? Aye. Is it? Listen, thanks to Andy Halliday and the car there. But you only... Yeah. What was he doing in your car? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you only capitulate, Matt, though, if there's pressure on you. No. You know, it's a two-way street. No, is it? Is that the complete wrong analogy? I don't care, I'm using it. But, <laughs> but the fact that Rangers have, have suffered recently is because we are relentless. In, in, in fairness, they've went through their own managerial change in mid-season, which probably wasn't great for them, Know that we care. But... That, that's contributed to it but then by the same token there were signs that all wasn't well in the camp yeah, prior already, to that yeah it was already and, and also you can't really blame Van Bronckers because it's not his team he's been he's been parachuted in and, and you know trying to make the best given of the no money in January exactly exactly um, so I think that for me everything has been the perfect storm for us this year we've brought in the right guy at the right time who's then been backed and also brought in the right players mm-hmm. it's almost been the reverse for, for Rangers the, the, the steadiness of their ship has just evaporated and but you're seeing a wee bit of why McCann didn't spend the money to stop their nine in a row this is what they're now eating exactly you know, you, the, you the money's gone the, yep. Yep. the bigger picture and the infrastructure and the yep. stability of your club as a whole I mean I think you, you've mentioned that Van Bronckhorst didn't get money in January does he get money in summer? no chance and who's going to sell? Yeah, so they need to make some some big there's, moves. There's no, there's, there's no assets. Yeah, so not to dwell on on what they're doing or not doing, but Schadenfreude. I think if uh, if Van Bronckhorst is still there in the summer, I mean he's going to get. That's the question. He's going to be in a a, a ropey position. Should we put him out the Scottish and if they falter, uh, Europa League wise? So anyway, we'll move away from them. But from Celtic's point of view, absolutely, if you know, and perfect storm, the right guy at the right time. You've got to punch yourself sometimes just to as to how right he is for Celtic. You you can't. You couldn't make up just how how he gets it in terms of the style of play, how he speaks to people, how he speaks about you know his own immigrant background, which resonates with the, the whole ethos of Celtic Football Club. And there's so many other things that aside, and it, it's just incredible how well he's he's fitted in. James, I'm going to take you back just to his league record after seven games of the season. Played seven, won three, lost three, drew one, 10 points from a possible 21. How has he turned it around from that to where we are now? He got his team in for a start. He got his team in. He got the team played the football he wanted to play. You know, it wasn't long after that that we were cuffing Dundee six 0 and St Mirren six 0 and you were starting to see the kind of football that we'd be getting under Ange. Um, so it was just personnel. You know that that first game against Hearts. I think Starfield came for the airport or something like that. You know, it's just ridiculous. So for a hash to go on the bench? He, Aye. He came directly Aye. for the airport. Exactly, the for a hash, yeah. Aye. And came off the bench and left wing but when Star- they hadn't established himself. Starfield arrived Eddie the day before. Aye, aye. Yeah. And not only did these players in, he got guys out that needed to get out. Eddie, Christie, you know, all that kind aye. of stuff. So, aye. You know, he, he spent minus £11 million, by the way. So don't let it be said that he's a checkbook manager or anything like that. He's spent 
11 uh, minus 11 million we brought in 30 and spent 20 odd I think as well the, the it's quite telling if you bring in two centre halves you know that's then the assumption is that that's then got to take a while to, to settle down your two fullbacks at the start of the season were two guys that weren't fancied by the previous regime and have been have been fairly low down the pecking order. He's also said to them, "I want you to play mental football <laughs> out for the back." Aye. Yep, you know, and Hart as well. Hart was a cast off. So all those factors combined, the fact that so many signings have worked, you can look at it and say, "Well, that's really, really lucky." Yeah, you can't say I that. Think there is a bit of luck. But, but it has to be. Of course, there is. But then, by the same token, they've just bought into the manager. They've bought into the style of play. And they get what the club's about. You can see that. It just looks like the players are really, really enjoying themselves. No doubt about it. But here's a shuddering thought. I'd mentioned it briefly earlier on. Carter Vickers, Jack Amakis and Jota signed on the last ah, day of yeah. the summer window. Imagine you don't get those deals over the line. Commonplace in football. Things fall down at the 12th hour. Somebody swoops and takes them. Player changes his mind. Ivan Tony. <sighs> exactly. What a blow that was. But there's three guys that... And Jack Amakis is... Came out of his own now that Kyogo's been injured, but Carter, Vickers, and Jota, well, all three of them, what an impact they've had, you know, each of them. You know, just you cannot deny that Carter Vickers has been the rock on which the defensive foundation has been built. Jack Amakis has banged in, I think, 12 goals since the turn of the year, or 11 since the turn yeah, of the year. But much more than his goals as well. Absolutely. Jota, the flair he's brought, and some of the f- phenomenal football in the early part of the season. But imagine you don't get them. Are you where you are just now? Well, the thing is, for Jota's come back for injury again, James touching the point where he's, he's kind of been a bit in and out with his form and, and things like that but he was absolutely electric in that sort of mid-winter yeah. period um, just prior to getting injured he really was exceptional and again he seemed to have a a galvanising effect in the team he, some games it was almost dragging the team through just it, it was him he was the, the creativity um, Jacques Marcus when he signed he was signed injured, I think. I had yeah. He signed injured. He didn't see him for a while. Games were getting passed. You know, he was on the bench a couple of times, then he got on, you're going, oh, here we go again. It's Mo Bangura, Mark II. Um, well, certainly that's what I was thinking. And then, all of a sudden, well, he missed the penalty against against Livy yeah. as well. Um, and you're thinking, oh, well, maybe been sold a bit of a keeper here. But, fair play to him, to think of the impact he's then subsequently had after that ropey start, the mental resilience that will take for a young a young guy coming to a new country to establish himself at a bigger club, fair play to him. Yeah, he spoke Absolute about it in January. Standard. He said, "My season starts now." Ah. You know, after he came back from his surgery yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, but what an impact! I think almost every signing's had. There's one or two that haven't quite worked out, but by and large, what a huge impact so many of these guys have had. Looking back, league-wise, Miff, as I say, Angel tell you it's just another three points. But are you agreeing with Chris Boyd? Is it done? Almost. I'm agreeing with that poor wee guy, the wee, Almost the, the wee Jeff guy. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff. Surely it's not Jeff. A, no, Jeff. It's Jeff. The guy died last week and he said it's a Jeff, not a Jeff. Jeff, not a Jeff. Yeah. Educational and informative, this podcast. Surely it's a Jeff, Miff. That's George. So do you see a, a, a meme or a... A meme. A meme. A meme. <laughs> Three old guys doing a and, podcast. And <laughs> <laughs> really is. Moving swiftly uh, on, lads. I've shown her each year, lads. The, the audience plummets. Yeah. And next... <laughs> So we've got six games to go. We now know that four of these will be at Celtic Park. Uh, last one pre-split at St. Johnson on Saturday coming. Can you see anything, James, other than a complete game-by-game focus from So obviously we as fans, podcasters, we'll look ahead and I think I was taking a, an 11 games at a time approach a few games ago, but 
Six league games to go, four at Celtic Park. Do you think you'd be telling the players anything but it's one game at a time? No, I mean, I, I was doing a wee bit of kind of league math myself um, last week in that, you know, when could we win it if, if we win on Sunday, i.e. yesterday kind of thing. Um, so fans can do all that stuff. I don't think Ange will. Just on that, is if we get them second game of post split mm -hmm. uh, and we win that, that puts us nine points ahead with nine to go. So just so you know, that's, that's where that will be kind of yeah. thing. If they take maximum points between now and then, St Martin's a tricky game for them. Yeah. You know, the weekend, we've got to do our, our bit as well, of course, but as far as Ange goes, it's game by game. Yeah, absolutely. And you've obviously got the situation where teams are scrapping about. The league's so tight yeah. and obviously we've got one one more game pre-split, but there's teams scrapping for Europe. St Myrna have slipped into what looks like a relegation battle. And St Johnson are on form. St Johnson have won their last two games. So Celtic do win on Saturday against St Johnson. will be nine points clear in the title race. Uh, Rangers don't play until Sunday. They've got St Myrna in the lunchtime kickoff. Question is, Miff, is it unfair that Rangers are getting an extra day's rest at this crucial time in the season? <laughs> it's a fix, isn't it? Have they not, have they not earned it? Are they no playing on Thursday? Playing Thursday, yeah. Playing on Thursday. So they'll play on Sunday. So the chance to go nine points clear, just the pressure that puts on them, they'll be tired from an away trip in Europe that they may well, you know... Tough game. They beat, uh, they beat Benfica on Friday night. They beat Benfica. I've been watching that game. Um, listen, I, I, I don't... I, but yesterday's result, the result on Sunday means that we now don't need to worry about what they do. We just need to concentrate just ourselves. That's, as far as I'm concerned, it's just about getting three points and Saturday moving on. You mentioned Jameson Johnson in decent form. They've won their last two at home to Livy and Motherwell. They're obviously scrapping to get out of that relegation playoff sp space that they currently occupy. Do you think there's any chance of a slip up against St Johnson? You know, there's there's always a, a chance. It's football, but I don't think, you know, Angel be anything but fully prepared for it. And if we play our game, we've got better players. We've got a cracking manager, so there shouldn't be any problems there. But, you know, players can get nervous at this stage when we're starting to put our heads in a space of, we are going to win the league. You know, players might naturally fall into that as well. So no complacency, just get the job done. Yeah. Miff, do you think we'll see Kyogo against Johnson? I think we will. Yes. Yeah. From the start? No. Off the bench. That'll be the end of that then. But I, think, <laughs> I think this is the best thing about Kyogo and Giacomacchus. So imagine it was yesterday and he's, Giacomacchus has roughed him up for 60 minutes and then you bring Kyogo in. So I think there's going to be a bit of that you know, towards the end of the season and next year. You also saw, going back to that, Defeat at Ibrox um, earlier in the season. You also saw the problems that Kyogo gave them when he did move through Aye, the middle from the left. Um, he, he had a couple of chances and it was really unlucky. Um, it, I know this season's not finished, and I actually posed the question. Uh, sorry, I'm taking out your job here, Tino. I actually posed the question to my mates. So I thought, 86, talking about my lifetime here for our younger listeners or older listeners, 86, centenary year. Stop me 10. Title for Tommy. Invincible treble. This would be right up there for Aye. me. I've heard right loads of guys there. saying it now. This could be the best in, in their lifetime. This is guys in their 40s. You know, guys that have seen a lot of success for Celtic over the years. And there's just something about this season. I don't want to get all dramatic, nostalgic, poetic, whatever. But there's just something about this season under Ange that's it's just really resonating with a lot of the Celtic support, James. Yeah, and you know, particularly because they, they, they wrote him off before he even started, then they wrote him off after he started, and now he's on the verge of a treble. So that, that that's part of it as well, the fact that they were slated and it's not going to ha happen and all this kind of stuff, and he's just proven everyone wrong. Yeah. Do you think it would rank as the, the best for you, Miff, or are you just saying it's in the mix there? 86 is going to be. I'm saying it's in the mix, I mean... 
stop me ten was probably the most pivotal role. Mm-hmm. Stop me yeah. ten always be special. Um, but after that, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Eighty six. I, I was I was young. Eighty six. I can still remember listening in the radio. I can remember the radio. That was um, see at the start of lockdown. BBC, BBC Scotland played the or they made available that Full that game? that day that day's transmission. Mm. Um, With Dundee and all that stuff as I, well. It was, it was absolutely brilliant. I went, went out the back with cut a half and I think it was because the <laughs> weather was nice. <laughs> ah, I went out the back with a cut a half and just sat and listened to it. It was phenomenal, phenomenal. James, you at Love Street in my dad and Noel and Frank yeah. Others, yeah. Yeah. then I get parked outside a, a pub and sat in the motorway cousin James for two hours can I call a bag of Chris that's how it was back in the day um, what's your memories of the game clear or a bit fuzzy or just so I was what nine so 19 you just finished work and then I, there was a few things there was gates getting <laughs> there was a guy you know the big metal gates kind of thing so a Celtic fan just knocked in the metal gate and the steward opened in about <laughs> four hundred guys running. So we tickets, so we go in. And I suppose they kind of as a nine-year-old, you're kind of not the most sophisticated of football fans, and all the fans started cheering on the uh, kind of transistor radio and the wee kind of earpiece and stuff like that, and you know, gives the news that uh, Dundee have scored. And it was just the kind of, you know, nothing's happened on the park and the Celtic fans are going to mention you're going, what's getting on kind of thing. So it was that that's probably my, my biggest memory from it, you know. Yeah. Nice one, very good. Um, so, remains to be seen, Miff, but yeah, heading in the right direction, as all we'll say, in terms of hopefully and reclaiming the title. But as we start to wrap things up for the day, as I mentioned, six games to go. What's your final thoughts for the week? Well, we're, we're in a position we could only have dreamed of at this time last year. Um, just, th- just think of the difference. That, that's all I can say is it's just we, we have put ourselves in the best possible position. Um, now it's all about that one game at a time knocking the games off and getting the points in the bag and, and keeping the pressure on um, because it's that that's put us in the position we're in just now. Yeah, absolutely. James, yourself, what's your closing comments this week? Yeah, just myself and, and, and every Celtic fan to enjoy this, you know, because last season was just so, so dark and there's, there's so much to be thankful for this season and the focus can, for me, start to turn towards a treble, not just the title. The title was all I was interested in all year and now you can look and go and there's no way you shouldn't be going for a treble there. You're getting greedy, James. That's who I am. <laughs> <laughs> Paddy would like to hear as well. He's been banging Aye. at least the, was the quadruple. No, he was, he was up for a quadruple. Was Paddy? He's, he's definitely getting for a treble and I think there's a good chance he'll get to see it. So Celtic could find himself an incredible nine points clear in the Scottish Premiership title race by Saturday night, which is a frightening turnaround given the sketchy start to the season we had way back in August and September. Ange won't allow himself for the players to entertain thoughts of a title win just yet, but as supporters we're daring to dream that Ange may just be the man to deliver the trophy back to Celtic Park at the first time of asking. Thanks to Miff and James for joining me today, and thanks to you for continuing to follow and support the Celtic Exchange. If you're watching on YouTube, do us a favour and subscribe to the channel, and if you're listening to the podcast, please share this episode with your Celtic supporting pals. It really makes a big difference to what we do. But in the meantime, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Network.